This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Thursday the 2nd of September 2021. And Norman, yesterday, I mean, every press conference that we're when we're dealing with large case numbers is a bit demoralising, but it was a particularly sober press conference out of Victoria yesterday. Victoria's obviously dealt with some really big waves in the past and the big wave last year they beat down to zero, which was a huge achievement. And yesterday was really an acknowledgement of the fact that the new normal with this virus is that we're not going to get back down to zero again. And so managing what the, what the new path forward looks like when we're dealing with this Delta variant. So I think that um, the jump in cases yesterday indicated that um, they're back into what looks like exponential growth. So we've talked about it a lot in Coronacast, but at low numbers, that's a very slow growth. But as you get to higher and higher numbers, that, that growth speeds up. So that seem, seems to be where they're, they're at. Whereas I think they previously and earlier in the week, they thought that they had got out of exponential growth, which means that they were bending the curve. So they're not. And when you're looking at the balance between the factors that we spoke about yesterday in Coronacast, the test, trace, isolate and quarantine, the lockdown, which is pretty good in Victoria, um, it, it, it's just not succeeding in bending the curve back down. It almost certainly is affecting the curve, but not enough to control the numbers to the extent that you can lift restrictions anytime soon or indeed before you've got ample vaccination. And so both of those states, Victoria and New South Wales, are both really using lockdowns now as a way to control numbers until the vaccination rates reach the thresholds that are going to start making a difference, like you just say. And I I saw a very um, insightful comment from Dr. Darren Saunders, uh, a cancer biologist, who says basically the other states must be looking at New South Wales and thinking and, and Victoria and thinking when, not if. And he says they should be using that time to vaccinate like mad and build capacity for what will eventually happen. Yes, and Queensland and Western Australia are not doing that. Um, the smaller states are and looking pretty good. And remember, we can't forget the ACT. The ACT still got a problem and the ACT's got uh, pretty good vaccination results as well. So they're getting on with it. But Darren Saunders is absolutely right. We just got to move ahead and got to vaccinate in states. You just got to thank the good fortune that you're able to live reasonably normally and get those vaccination rates up because it probably is when rather than if. It is a really different, it's a big shift in perception because previously Australia has used lockdowns to get back to zero. And now there's this recognition that that's not the case, but it's not the case that lockdowns don't work. They're just not going to get us to zero anymore. So can we just take a step back and just recognise how good we have it compared to if we hadn't had lockdowns at all? Yeah, I mean, where would we be without lockdowns? Where we'd be in deep stuck is where we would be without without lockdowns. Burnett Institute modelling would have New South Wales without the lockdown in New South Wales, the the restrictions there, at about 10,000 cases a day at the beginning of August. And what they're saying about Victoria is that so far, social restrictions in Victoria have prevented 6,000 COVID cases and 600 people being admitted to hospital. So because there are much lower numbers, the, the, you're not, you, you haven't got that dramatic daily effect, but you, you would eventually. So, I mean, 10,000 cases in New South Wales at the beginning of August would have been ghastly for um, the community and for the hospital system. 
And of course, eventually we are going to get to a place where once our borders are more gingerly open, we're going to see those case numbers rise. But of, of course, with vaccination, the hope is that the hospitalizations don't rise at the same rate. And you made the point yesterday, Norman, that hospitalizations and case numbers are still in lockstep in New South Wales, that that, that effect of vaccinations hasn't kicked in yet. Uh, someone wrote in to say that a different, a different uh, lot of data analysts, COVID-based AU, have pointed out that they are decoupling. Well, um, the decoupling, if you don't compare apples with apples. So I'm going with um, the data analyst, Julia O'Brien, who we use quite a lot and um, who's very reliable. And what you what she shows is that New South Wales changed the rules about what it describes as an active case. And so they're using, I think they go back 30 days, creating a 30-day average for their cases, whereas Victoria creates a 14-day average for their cases describe the hospitalisation rate. And that's really important because, in fact, most of your hospitalizations are going to occur within 14 days rather than 30 days. If you do 30 days, the rate is lower. It's under 5%, whereas if you go 11, if you go 13, 14-day average, thereabouts, it's higher and there it shows much less, if any, decoupling at all. So if you change the rules, you get a different result. Right. And lockdowns are not without their side effects as well. Like they're protecting us from high numbers of COVID cases and severe disease, but they obviously come at a cost. And one of the unusual ones that's come out in some recently published literature is short-sightedness in kids. Yeah, this is a fascinating study that comes from Hong Kong, uh, the Chinese University of Hong Kong, where they investigate, they are two separate cohorts of kids aged six to eight in in Hong Kong, where they were looking at the incidence of of myopia, of short-sightedness. One cohort was pre-COVID and one cohort was post-COVID. So there was about 1,800 kids altogether. And what they showed briefly is that the children who were being subjected to lockdown last year showed a significantly increased risk of myopia. And you might say, well, how does that happen? Effectively, with myopia, with short-sightedness, the light rays coming into your eye focus in front of the retina, which, which is like the, the screen at the back of your eye, rather than on it. And things are blurred when you're looking into the distance. What causes it are two things. One is genes. You inherit the tendency towards myopia. But the second thing is environmental. Reading a lot, uh, screen time, all affect the incidence of myopia. So the more screen time a child, the more times a child spends in front of a screen, the higher the incidence of uh, short-sightedness. And the other side of it is that when you're outside, your eyeball kind of relaxes and it focuses on the long distance. You're looking in the distance, you're looking at the horizon. It relaxes the eye. And, um, and in fact, kids who are outdoors more tend to have a lower incidence of short-sightedness partly because their eye is focusing on the distance more than it is on, on near, near work. And children should have a balance of both. And so what they're saying is that it's the decrease in outdoor time that's making the difference here to the incidence of short-sightedness. And it's possible that that's happened in, in Australia too, except I don't see any studies of this. I mean, what are the long-term effects of this? Is it bad news when you get older? Well, I mean, I'm speaking of somebody here who was short-sighted as a child, probably because I was, you know, 
I was told to turn out the lights when I was a kid and my, and I didn't do that. Oh, you were under the, the doona with a flashlight reading a book, were you? Correct. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was a bookish child and I grew up with my... First of all, it's educational achievement. Um, I remember it took probably a couple of years of me being short-sighted before it was recognised, just speaking personally, and I and I got my I started wearing spectacles and it was like a transformation in my life. So you just don't know how much a kid's missing if they're sitting at the back of the class and they're not seeing stuff on the on the whiteboard or what have you. The second aspect is as you get older, there are there is a slightly increased risk of uh, a range of problems if you are short-sighted. So macular degeneration is a bit more common. So is glaucoma. So is retinal detachment. Interestingly, I've had. I think four retinal detachments, probably partly due to my short-sightedness. So it's not a totally benign condition. So it's yet another long-term problem as a result of the of the pandemic, an indirect one. And speaking of kids, we've got a question about kids, um, but about vaccines as well. This person says, my kids' best friends come from a, va- a family that's vehemently opposed to the vaccine. We hang out all the time. I'm not going to convince them and I don't want to stop being with them, but I'm concerned there is an additional risk there for us. What should I do? I think it's a really tough one. Um, I noticed that you come from Queensland where there's very little virus circulating. So at the moment it's okay, but it won't be okay forever, particularly when borders go down. So at the moment, there's probably nothing much to do. As you move forward and inevitably Queensland will have more virus circulating, you're probably going to have to mix with them outside because you are, you know, they will be more likely to catch COVID and pass it on. I feel like from my perspective, getting yourself vaccinated is the best way to protect yourself. Obviously, if your kids are under 12, that's not an option for them. But I also think that don't underestimate the fact of not peer pressure because you don't want to have that conversation. They're tricky conversations to have, but just normalising it. I think that there are probably a lot of people in Australia who are hesitant, truly hesitant, because they're just not sure. And as they see more and more people around them get vaccinated and see that it's not just not harmful, but actually causing people to be safer and healthier, then that's going to change those people's minds as well. That's absolutely right. And when you take those sort of factors into consideration, the increased access to vaccines and increased convenience of getting vaccines, it's probably over 90% of Australians are very open to be to be vaccinated. Well, we know that uh, young kids get vaccinated 95% plus Australia-wide. Yeah, we're a good vaccinating nation. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's Coronacast. As always, if you've got a question, let us know at abc.net.au slash coronacast. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. 